Hey everyone and welcome to the very first ep of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. My name is Robbie Cox and I am your host. Uh, I just want to firstly thank each and every one of you for being here at the start of our journey. Uh, Who knows where this will end up, but what I do know is along the way, we're going to have some absolute laughs. We are going to be captivated by some incredible stories told by athletes and coaches from Australian Swimming. We are going to learn, but most importantly, people, we are going to have a great time along the way. So strap yourselves in, get ready for the ride, because Off The Block Swimming Podcast launches now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundreds in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Nurkens' hand. But the signature of all eyes is the great Madam Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats. Phelps in the black hats. And Phelps has got it. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe to Thorpe. Thorpe the hole. Thorpe goes in. Australia win. Hello and welcome again to Off The Block Swimming Podcast. This is Ep 1. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a cracker of a show to kick off with. More about that in a minute, but before I get into today's show, I first want to give a little bit of a background just into who I am and why I really wanted to do a podcast about swimming. I promise this will only take uh, a little bit of time and I won't talk too much about myself. I'll keep it really quick. My name is Robbie Cox. I uh, have been a swimming coach now for 17 years. I currently am based up in Brisbane, Queensland as an assistant coach at Albany Creek Swim Club. Shout out to the creek. Uh, Enough about me now. Let's move on to why I thought it was an important idea to do a swimming podcast. Firstly, I love the sport of swimming. I, I love the life lessons it teaches you. I love the friendships it gives you. And I love that it's not easy. I love that it tests you both physically and mentally. I love as a coach just being a part of an athlete's journey from junior squads right through to nationals and beyond. I mean, getting a front row seat to watch them realize their dreams, nothing really tops that. Unfortunately, here in Australia, swimming only seems relevant twice a year around trials and games time, which is an absolute shame because I think our athletes and our coaches deserve better. There are so many inspirational stories out there to be told in our great sport, but they're just not getting the chance. They will now. My aim with Off The Blocks is to give athletes and coaches an opportunity to tell their story and help inspire future generations to hopefully gain some exposure for future sponsorships and endorsement deals. And I'm not just talking about the athletes that are already getting looked after by Swimming Australia. I'm talking about athletes on the fringes, athletes who are just missing teams, perhaps sponsorships, endorsements, and getting people right behind them will help keep them in the sport and help keep help them keep chasing the dream. This show has very little to do with me. In fact, I don't want it to have anything to do with me. I want it to be about our sport. I want it to be about our athletes. I want it to be about our coaches. So please get behind the people on our show, whether they're legends, whether they're current stars, whether they're up and comers, whether they're coaches. 
They all have unique stories to tell and I hope they inspire us all in some way. Which leads me to my very first interview for EP1. I was absolutely honoured when my next guest agreed to be on our show because she's a legend in our sport. I mean, you name it and she has done it. Of course, I am talking about Jessica Shipper. I had a ball chatting with her. We were down at Chandler Aquatic Centre. We just grabbed a coffee. We sat down and I learned so much about her career. She spoke openly and honestly. And I hope you all enjoy it as much as I did. I hope you all learn a few things as well. So before everyone listening starts to think, will he ever shut up? Here is my interview with Swimming Australia, Swimming Queensland legend, Jessica Shipper. Hey guys, I'm sitting here at the Chandler Aquatic Centre, that's in Brisbane, Australia, for anyone who's listening overseas. Uh, today I'm with an absolute legend of Australian swimming. She's a former world record holder, three-time Olympian, world champion, Com Games gold medalist and representative. In 2005, she was awarded the Order of Australian Medal for her services in swimming. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome to the first episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast, Jessica Shipper. Firstly, Jess, I just want to um, thank you very much for coming on today. Um, the podcast, this is obviously the first one, so you could have easily have said no, um, but you didn't. You said yes, and I'm very grateful, so thank you very much. Um, I'll be honest with you, just going through all your accolades and stuff like that, I was a little bit intimidated. Obviously, there's a lot to get through, all the research. I mean, I could have gone on for a long time. The intro itself was a mouthful and a half. So many achievements over your career. Do you ever look back and just go, Jesus Christ, I, I did a lot of stuff there? Or is it not until you hear it, like now, that you go, actually, yeah, I did pretty well? Uh, firstly, thank you very much for having <laughs> me on. I am thrilled to be here. Uh, it's always great to be able to, um, you know, come and share a bit of my story and yep. talk about it. And it's, yeah, probably not until you reflect on it at the end that you go, wow, that was really amazing. That was yeah. such a, you know, an amazing thing to, to do. And at the time, it was just the roller coaster ride I was on. And yeah, yeah now looking back on it, it seems really surreal. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so much of your career to get through, but I just want to take everyone back first because everyone comes from Learn to Swim and the junior background. Um, where did you first start swimming and at what age? Uh, so I learnt to swim out at Wavell. Um, I could swim before I could walk. Um, yep. I was about two. Um, loved it. I loved it right from the word go. Uh, yep. I have an older sister who I swam with and then uh, just after I turned two, my brothers tried once more for a boy and had triplet sons. Yep. Uh, so we all um, swam together growing up. Um, now looking back at it, I'm pretty sure it was mum's way to keep us all in one spot at one time <laughs> yeah. and wear out all that energy. But it was heaps of fun and we loved it. And uh, yeah, I've been swimming since I was two. Yeah. So you were a natural at swimming? Yeah, um, I was. I always loved it. We tried lots of different sports. Mum, you know, insisted on trying lots of different things. Yeah. And, um, butterfly was a natural talent for me. I don't know why it chose me, but yeah. it did. And yeah, I loved it the best. Lucky you, because it's, it's not a natural talent for a lot of people, no. including myself. Um, when did swimming start to get a little bit more competitive for you, though? Uh, so growing up, um, because of the two-year age difference between my brothers and myself, we were all really competitive and fairly on a fairly even, even playing field. So yeah. mum would take us to meets all around Queensland. Um, my man dad would take us to meets all around Queensland and um, we'd swim every weekend at different carnivals and we had a little competition going between the four of us. Yeah. Um, no one wanted to be the one that came <laughs> forth. So I think that inspired my love for competition. Yeah. 
Uh, and then when I was 10 years old, I was racing at my school district carnival. Um, I'd done the 50 fly and my first coach, Ken Wood, came up to me and said that he saw a lot of potential with my swimming and that I should I start... I a good eye. Yeah, <laughs> that I should start taking swimming more seriously. So yeah. it just kind of went from there. Yeah. yeah. So obviously you touched on you were a natural butterfly, but were there any other strokes coming through that you were keen on or was it pretty much butterfly chose you from an early age yeah my the very first medal I ever won was I was six years old and it was 25 butterfly so um, butterfly definitely chose me uh, as I grew up and got fitter and did a lot more training um, distance freestyle was also really good um, yeah. I won a couple of age national medals for the 400 freestyle yeah. um, and the 5k open water swim as well um, but once I started to get to the open level uh, they distance freestyle always coincided with the butterfly events so I yeah. chose butterfly over yeah. distance freestyle smart choice <laughs> yeah. uh, um, alright any bad habits did you have any as a young swimmer so for example uh, a lot of swimmers that I have will do three or four strokes going into their turns doing a kick set that's a big no no or pulling on the lane ropes in backstroke <laughs> I, I mean a lot of breaststrokers <laughs> do that too or just generally sort of doing my head in because they're not listening at the time and yeah. you've got to go through things five times and they still say what are we doing what are what's happening hands on your head uh, I definitely will admit to pulling on the lane rope in backstroke <laughs> uh, I was never a backstroke or breaststroke I couldn't get get there anywhere quick so yeah. um, it um, took any advantage I could with my backstroke um, <laughs> I was always more of a visual learner, so if I didn't see something done first, I had a lot of trouble with the the words to explain it. Yeah. So um, I was one of those kids going, "What's happening? What's going?" On? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I let other people yeah. go first, watched, yeah. and then went. Yeah. yeah. I've already said it five <laughs> times. What we? Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> definitely get it. Um, all right, now age champs isn't too far away. Three weeks to be exact in Sydney. Talk to me about the first time you qualified. How old were you? What event was it? And do you remember your reaction to getting the time? Absolutely, I do remember. I was racing here at Chandler. Yep. Uh, I was 12 years old and racing state uh, state titles. In December? Um, in December, yeah. We, I think it was actually January back then. They oh, used to do yep. them after Christmas. Um, yeah, that's a whole other story. <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, I was right, so I was twelve years old. Um, I'd made the um, made it for the one and two hundred butterfly, um, made the selection time, so that was very exciting. Got selected on my first Queensland team um, to go over to compete in Perth at the Asian Nationals over there, um, and end up winning two gold in the one and two hundred butterfly over. Very nice over there. Are your yeah. first one? At my first one, yeah. yeah. Um, that's an awesome experience. <laughs> yeah. No, everyone gets that, but no, yeah, definitely. it was definitely yeah, just a dream come true. And yeah. like I'd been training with Ken for two years at yeah. that point, and I just had always wanted to be a, a swimmer. Like Susie O'Neill was my idol, yeah. and my first memories are of watching her yeah. and knowing that one day I wanted to grow up and be exactly like Susie. So um, it was just it just seemed like the path that I was on that I had to take to get to the, be the best. So it was working out well for me. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Um, all right, so you made your first Aussie team in 2003. I hope I get all this right. I got a little bit of info off uh, the internet, so I hope I get it right. You, you um, correct me if I get anything wrong. Um, that was at Barcelona. What was that experience like for your first trip? Uh, absolutely crazy. So, um, as I said, you know, I've watching swimming my whole life, and these are people that I've been watching on TV yeah. and admiring and wanting to be exactly like them. And um, it conveniently worked out that my career started after Susie and Patria retired, so there was that big opening for the butterfly spot. And um, 
Yeah. Is there a competitive bit of you that would have liked to have gone against them in that? Um, I was lucky enough to race Susie once at a Grand Prix here at Chandler, yeah. um, and I raced with Patria at the hun- in the hundred butterfly at Athens Olympics. Yeah. Um, so I did get to race them. I kind of wish that yeah I was more at my peak when I got to race them, yeah. but it was just one of those things. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. As you just touched on, so many legends on that team: Ian Thorpe, Grant Hackett, Libby Trickett. Yeah. Were you a little bit starstruck going in? Uh, I was lucky enough to be training with Jeff Hugel and um, Lisa Jones at yeah. that time, so I knew, you know, the story and the kind of the feel of it, um, yeah. having training with those guys. But um, as I said, you know, watching these people on TV, the Grant Hackett's and Ian Thorpe's, they just yeah. seem like absolute superheroes, and to see them yeah. walking around and being normal people is, <laughs> yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. Did anyone take you under your wing, under their wing, sorry, on that yeah. trip? Yeah. Uh, so they had like a when we have our orientation camps and stuff like that, they have like a rookie program. So yeah. they put the rookies with the more experienced athletes. And Gian Rooney was my mentor on the team and she was absolutely amazing. She looked after me so well yeah. and uh, just treated me as, you know, an equal, a normal yeah. person. And yeah, we've been great friends ever since. Well, that would have been handy, I guess, coming into my next question with the four by 100 medley relay, you got your first medal, uh, a gold. With Gian Rooney, Liesl Jones, Jody Henry, that's a fair, that's a fair team there. <laughs> yeah. You must have been stoked. Yeah, uh, again, um, so nervous to be up there with these girls, yeah. but they really made it so easy for me. And to come home from my first international meet with a medal was just um, a surreal experience and a great um, confidence builder going into the rest of yeah, yeah the rest of it. All right, from the world champs onwards, your career pretty much took off. And I'd love to go through each and every meet and each accomplishment, <laughs> but unfortunately it's not a three-hour podcast. <laughs> That's a compliment to you, by the way, Thank though. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I just want to touch on a few things, obviously, over your career. So, firstly, you went to four world champs from 2003 to 2009. I want to touch on Montreal, 2005, uh, the 200 fly. Uh, you're going head-to-head with Jedrazak, and she touches you out. For anyone who doesn't know the story, I'll, I'll give the story. Uh, she touches you out just, she breaks the world record, gets gold, but then it comes up on the screen and on the TV screens that she actually touched with one hand. Um, now, I don't want to bring back bad memories for you, so I'm not, I'm not trying to do it that way. I'm just more interested in the mentality of it and how you mentally went through that disappointment of that situation, because I think a lot of young athletes see things like that happening and have to deal with that as well. How did you handle that situation after the race? Yep. Uh, so the the whole story behind it. So I um I right you know this is my first big big meet and yep. uh, stuff like that. I was stepping up doing the 200 butterfly. I'd done a PB in my heats. I'd done a PB in the semifinals, and I was going into the finals fastest for the 200 butterfly. Yeah. Um, I was I was well what seven 18, 18 at the time. It just seemed like a such a crazy experience and. Um, yeah, it came down to Atelier and I. We were a couple of seconds ahead down the last 50. And, um, yeah, she ended up uh, cheating, reaching out and touching, <laughs> touching with one hand. 
um, the touch judge didn't catch it. So yeah. um, looking back on it now, I like to consider myself kind of like a pioneer for the sport because <laughs> after this, yeah. after this incident, they started accepting video evidence with yeah. their um, with their judgment calls. So and I think um, Alan Thompson, the coach at the time, was very keen yes, on getting that very in at the time keen, as well. Yeah. So. Sadly, my experience wasn't changed, but future experiences have changed because of that. But yeah. I didn't know about the cheating until after the mental presentation had oh, okay. happened. Yep. So I was like, ecstatic with my swim. I'd done a three-second yep. PB. I'd gotten silver at a world yep. championships and um, more than happy with it. But it definitely fueled the fire to go home and train and you know want to get that world record back for myself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know how the story went, also at Montreal, you end up getting the gold in the 100 fly. Was there a little bit of uh, feeling of redemption there? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's good. I, I was racing Libby at this stage, yeah. so we were at Australia's 100 butterflyers. And um, I tell you what, Queensland has such a depth of, of um, international swimming, it's crazy. You know that when you're racing in Queensland, you're racing against the best in the world. Yeah. And Libby and I had a great rivalry throughout our whole career. Yeah. And uh, this was just another race between the two of us. That's the way I looked at it. Um, and to get up there and race next to somebody that I'd been racing, you know, throughout my whole childhood yeah. just made it seem so much more easy. Um, and then to, yeah, win, win it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just a memory I'll never forget, absolutely. Um, you went to three Olympic Games, Athens, Beijing, London, finished with, I think, two gold and two bronze. Got yep. it right, yes. <laughs> Research. Um, how do you look back on your Olympic experiences? Yeah, the Olympics are amazing, um, and, and any Olympian will love to tell you that the uniqueness of it only coming around every four years, and the amount of people that seem to be able to step up and pull out amazing swims just in an Olympic year is yeah. is pretty surreal. Um, overall, it's definitely uh, I'm happy with it all. Um, I obviously would have loved an individual Olympic medal, but. Um, with swimming being such an individual sport, the relay medals are almost just as special because yeah. you get to share it with the with three the other team. girls as well. Yeah. yeah. All right, just touching on obviously the individual medals. Yeah. A lot was made after Beijing yeah. uh, when it came out that your coach at the time, Ken Wood, had sold training programs. Yeah. Uh, and in particular to, I knew I was going to get this name wrong, <laughs> Lu Zij. Is that how you say it? Yeah, I always just call her Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm her, all right, for the sake of it, we'll call her Lucy. Um, she got gold in the 200 fly at Beijing. Yes. And you got the bronze. Yes. Did you know at the time that that was going on, that the, the training programs had been sold, or did you sort of learn that like the rest of us after? Yeah, that was uh, something that I found out after I came home. So. At the time um, I'd made the decision to um, move on after the Olympics from Ken yeah. because I'd been with him for 11 years but at that stage so I just yeah. decided I needed a, a new outlook on swimming and a different um, approach um, and then after I came home and I spoke with Ken about moving on um, that came out in the media and I was just as shocked as everybody else yeah. to find yeah. out yeah. Um, you know at the time it, it was you know it felt a bit harsh obviously um, looking back on it now I mean coaching's his job it was yeah. a, a decision he made yeah. based on what he does as a job and yeah. you know I can't hold that against him no I was gonna say just as a coach myself I think you know we unless you're in a performance center or you're yeah. at you know a <laughs> UBU private school where you're getting like thousands yeah um, you know I would say yeah you can take the money where you can get exactly. it definitely yeah. so 
Um, but yeah, I was just interested to know how you found out like the rest of us. Yeah. So you mentioned there, obviously the decision was made. So you've yes. skipped the question that I was coming up <laughs> to, but that's Sorry. all right. You're the Olympian here, I'll let that go. Um, you started training with Stefan Vidmar at Commercial. Yes. Um, how long before the Olympics we had you been thinking about that change? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it, it took a while. It was definitely almost up to a year beforehand. Um, yeah. yeah, like most swimmers will map out the four-year preparation on Olympic cycles, yeah, um, yeah depending on their age. Um, but, yeah, so it, I knew that I wanted to wait until that cycle was over with Ken, um, yeah. get to that Olympics with him and then move yeah. on from there. Now, I said to you just earlier, before we started recording, we say, like, Beijing and all the, the lows, but, I mean, you still got a bronze medal yeah. uh, in that event. You say you wanted to move on a year before. What Was there anything going on? Was it just you were getting a bit stale in the program? Or what was yeah. the sort of mindset there with the change? Uh, so Ken was very old school with his training. Yep. He's under the impression that the more laps you swim, the faster you can do them. Yeah. And to, a, to an absolute degree, it worked. I mean, yep. I... Um, you know, used to do four and five k sets of butterfly, and so getting in and Jesus. racing, a, getting in and racing a two hundred meter butterfly seemed like an absolute dream after yeah. doing weeks of you know kilometers of butterfly. Yeah. Um, and while you were young, while I was young, you know, it definitely worked, and I got up an amazing base um, fitness with Ken, and I you know I owe a lot of my career to him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but. At 21, I was just sick of getting up at four o'clock in the morning, being, you know, swimming lap after lap. You know, we used to average 60 to 70k weeks, and I wasn't even a distance swimmer. I was doing yeah. butterfly, so it's a lot of butterfly, and just I needed a fresh approach. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> even saying that, though, was it? I mean, you'd been there for 11 years. Was it a tough decision to leave Redcliffe and yeah, Ken? Absolutely. Um, yeah, Ken's like a, a another father to me. Um, yeah, just the absolute familiarity of changing yeah. and all of my comforts and my routine, my friends that I'd been with at the squad for ages. Yeah. Uh, it was a very hard decision, yeah. Um, all right, now they say the true test of someone's character comes out when things aren't going their way. And what I loved about watching you as a swimmer from just from afar and on TV was the resilience you always showed, no matter sort of what at what point it looked like things weren't going your way, there was always a comeback, there was always something where you, you stepped up again. And case in point 2009, world champs in Rome, new coach, new program, so a lot's changed for you throughout that year leading up. And I'm building up to the ending, so try not to give it, <laughs> try not to give it away when, right. when we start answering these things. Okay. Going into the meet with all that had happened through that year, uh, what was your mindset going into Rome? Uh, so I really just wanted to prove to myself that my decision was worth it in yep. the end, that what I'd done was the right thing for myself. Um, Stefan had a great new outlook on swimming. He was definitely more technical based. Yep. Uh, we broke down my race uh, like never before, analysed things that I you know, hadn't even thought about thinking of and had a whole new race plan leading into Rome. So I just really wanted to make that work and um, prove to myself that I'd done the right thing. So you see... Luzige in marshalling for the final. Are you completely focused still on your race plan and, and what you've just talked about then or is there a little bit of you just looking over at her just going, not again, not this not time? Again. Uh, no, I was... Um, everybody has their own different pre-race kind of routines. I hated thinking about my race. Anything to do with it before I swam. Yeah. Um, 
I loved reading. I love reading, so I was always reading a book of some sort. Um, yeah, in pre, in um, in like the team area, not in marshalling per se. I usually find somebody to have a chat with. Um, luckily, I made really good friends with Mary Desenza, the American yep. two hundred butterfly. Yep. So she always loved to chat. So she was always really good to be able to catch up with her. Yeah. Kept um, your mind off keep it. Keep my mind off the race. And yeah, she was the same. So we keep each other happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you get into the, on pool deck, you dive in for the final. Uh, lane three is Luzish. Takes her out and um, she's leading for the first hundred. Third 50, you start to make your move. And by the last turn, you've, you've closed the gap. Yeah. I know this because I rewatched it yesterday. <laughs> um, talk to us about the feeling you were going through, I guess physically and mentally, if you can remember it, yeah. going into that last turn, because you've pretty much, I think you're putting together your race plan perfectly. Yeah. So were Absolutely. you feeling that? Uh, yeah, so up until that point, my race plan was always just go out, go out and, you know, lead from the front. Yep. And, um, you know, with the training that I had from Ken, that was an easy way to kind of race. And I felt comfortable always being up the front. So with this new race plan, I, um, was using the power that I'd had from those years with Ken to bring it home really hard. Uh, it was hard to not be in front from the word yeah. go. Uh, it was really hard to see the girls in front of me yeah. and know that I needed to hold back to have that energy to yeah. come home in the end. So it was it was hard, but I was full of confidence that the training that I'd done was going to get me yeah. get me there in the end. So end of the story is obviously a good one for you this time around. You charge over the top in the last 50 and not only do you get the goal, but you get a world record. I still remember watching the race on TV and, and just giving it a few fist pumps for you. Um, just because I was so happy, or just because I guess people watching go through the ride with you and, and get to see the as I said, it's not, I keep saying downs, but it's you still yeah. got a medal at the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> but get to see that, and the then obviously, yeah, yeah, and obviously exactly. see, yeah, your redemption. You hit the wall, you turn around, you see first place, but also the world record. And I, I did see the replay the other night. There was a fair bit of sort of like, oh, thank God, <laughs> yes. What, um, yeah, what were your emotions after that race? Uh, so the whole meet itself was really fast. Rome world records were falling like like grapes they were crazy they yeah. um don't um, downplay it you got a yeah, world record no well the well, so the turn of butterfly yeah. was broken in the heats and the yeah. semi-finals beforehand so i knew it was going to be a really tough race yeah. um mary had broken it and um it, uh another somebody else had broken it in the semi-final so i was uh yeah i was just so pumped to just get in there and see what i could do with it, my new race plan and to t turn around and see, you know, the fireworks exploding on the screen <laughs> yeah. and see world rocket world record and uh, know that I'd done a PB as well. Um, those are few and far between the yeah. the long year up the top. So Definitely. it's always great to be um, able to better myself as well. Um, my family were up in the crowd, so I found them and they were all crying and excited. So <laughs> yeah. it was great. And Sammy Hamill was in the race with me at the other Australian butterfly yeah. at the time and. Um, she swam over and gave me a big hug and yeah, yeah I, yeah, I hope, hope I never forget that feeling. Just, it yeah. was a good vibe. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, alright, so the 2018 Com Games start later this week, um, just down the highway on the Gold Coast. So I'll get to, I've left a little bit of the Com Games chat to the end. Okay. Um, you went to Melbourne and Delhi. Yes. Um, give me a few highlights that stand out from you from those trips. Yeah, um, I'll, do, I'll do Melbourne. Melbourne was great. Yeah. Um, 
So that was uh, my second, third um, international open team, um, and it was my first home meet. Yep. Um, it was again amazing to have all of my family there. Have, being down in Melbourne, everybody came on, so uncles, grandparents, yep. um, brothers, sisters. So they all made these purple shirts up with Go Jess on them, and they all sat together in the crowd. So that was a really unique experience to have my whole family be able to come and watch me yeah. compete. Um, so yeah. a lot of people get that experience now, don't they, down yeah, on the Gold Coast. Was that, Coast. was that a good thing or did it make you a little bit more nervous? Just Well, <laughs> no. Uh, no, I love the racing and I love the atmosphere that it yeah. presented. Uh, it is definitely um, much louder yeah. compared to the other years. Um, being in Australia, like the second anybody hears the word Australia, they go, ah! Yeah. the decibels just go up yeah. and it's amazing it's really awesome to compete in front of the home crowd absolutely now Delhi 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 was a, another unique experience yeah. um, in in that there was just so much to learn over there um, the way that we were looked after um, with the security and everything yeah. over there that was different uh, the way the, that the meet was run um, standout experience over there. Um, I get my 200 butterfly, um, winning the gold in that, and yeah, being able to defend that title. Yeah. Yeah. Are you heading down to watch any of the swimming? I'm hoping to. Yes. And what are you most looking for, looking forward to seeing? Um, Is there one event? Do you, I mean, do you still get up for the 200 fly, the yeah. 100 fly, and get excited? Uh, yeah, I'm a sad butterfly tragic <laughs> um watched it all before my career and i'll watch yeah. it continuously for the rest of my life very nice um are you going to watch any other sports is there anything else that catches your eye i love the diving and gymnastics i think that these people are absolutely amazing and yeah. crazy but um i do love to watch them they're beautiful the diving definitely they're nuts yeah when we come out here on the weekend <laughs> and we see sometimes they're just doing their practice and they're on the top and yeah. think if you get that wrong yeah Jesus. Yeah, I they, know. they very rarely do. <laughs> no. And yeah, I've walked up to the edge of that 10 metre platform and I didn't have the guts to jump off. I don't off, even think so I could nail powered. a bomb off the top of that, <laughs> let alone <laughs> flipping around. I know. Crazy. Um, all right, so we're just going to jump into a few random questions now. Okay. Just to get the mind ticking over. All right. Um, what would the Jessica Shipper autobiography be called? For the love of it. For the love of it. Very nice. I'm going to write that down. For the love of it. Is it a big book? Is there a lot of stories to tell that we... There are a lot of stories to tell. I don't know how many of them I would put on paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I've looked after you through here. We didn't, we didn't get too into the stories. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. All right. Describe your life using a film title. So, for example, for me, it would probably be The Hangover. Uh. That's another... That's, <laughs> that sounds like a good one. Uh, wet and soggy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a movie? You I just made that up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If you could steal credit for a song, which song would it be? What's your favourite song that you think? If I could put my name to that, that'd be. Oh. Um, my favourite song at the moment, and I'm actually using this a lot when I'm doing my exercising at the moment, is Whatever It Takes by Imagine Dragons. Yep, yep. Yeah, very inspirational. I'd like to have my name on that one. <laughs> All right, so you've written that. What about <laughs> movie? What movie would you like to put your name to? Uh, would you steal? 
Oh, that's hard. It depends on what mood I'm in. I'm definitely more of a rom-com fan, I suppose. Uh, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> that's the cheerleader one? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I watched that the other night and I giggled the whole way through it. (laughs) And all right, if you could jump on a company, what would what company would you like to? I mean, there's some very big money in those companies out there. Yeah, Google. Google. Yeah. Doesn't look like Google's going to slow down. No. I think think you've picked (laughs) a smart one there. Like Facebook, Instagram, they might slow down eventually, but I think everyone's going to always be googling. Googling something. Um, all right, if just Shipper was Prime Minister for a day, ah. what would you make compulsory? Is there anything Learning to swim. Learning to swim? Yes, the amount of children that can't swim yep. frustrates me and makes me so sad. It is a life-saving skill. Yeah. They don't have to join a club and go on to be great swimmers or anything like that, but yeah. it's a life-saving skill. And 100% I agree. cannot understand that people don't teach their kids to swim. <laughs> yeah, 100% <laughs> agree. Um, and what would you ban? What would I ban? What would be outlawed? <laughs> Told you these questions yeah. would get you because these are uh, ones you don't think no, about that well, often. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't like smoking. I'd okay. really like it if smoking was banned completely. Yeah. None of like none of the health issues would be around. None of yeah. nothing. There'd be so much. It'd be so much nicer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, we're getting closer. Yeah. I went to a, a concert last night, and they were had. If you had to smoke, you had to go in this little. little looked cubicle. like they were sheep. They yes. just put them in like a little corner. <laughs> no. Um, no. All right, so if you were on death row yep. and uh, you got asked, what do you want for your last meal? What do you love to eat? Uh, my husband does an amazing smoked salmon, so I think that I would. What's opt with for the that salmon? One. What do you have with the salmon? Uh, so there is a, a recipe I found for a dill sauce yep. that just makes the smoked salmon mouth watering. It's amazing. <laughs> I've actually told that to him. I was like, this, if this was my last meal, I'd be happy. <laughs> Um, all right. If you were now, now your CEO of Swimming Australia. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. Is there is there anything you would implement? Is there a change you would implement? And or is there any ideas that you have that you think if you could get through and you don't need anyone else's approval? There's not a board. You're not sitting around. <laughs> everyone's got to agree. You just write and you're We're doing this. Do you yeah. have any ideas? Uh... I was probably in the generation where they were trying to make swimming equal for everybody. Yep. They didn't just have the standout people getting more than everybody yep. else. Um, it failed, and I'd like to see that probably implemented in a more strategic kind of yeah, way. Yeah. Uh, so that they didn't just you know, have their couple of favourites that they yep. like to force feed everybody. Yep. Um, it was more fair. Like everybody. back to the old jewel in the pool days yeah, and stuff like that. all of that sort of stuff. I loved jewel in the pool. Yeah. I remember I went to that one, I think we took on America. Yeah. And it was the one where Libby went 52 yeah. nine, 9 and she broke the broke w- anyway, the, and it yeah. wasn't official, and yeah. the crowd were outraged. But you the literally. The, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. literally could not get a seat in the no. stands. It and was packed. It's like, it may, it's like 2020 cricket. Yeah. Like you're, you're combining, you're making it quick and fast, yeah. and there's just, you're going for the win right then and there. Yeah. Like it's a team sport. It's, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I definitely think yeah, we need to look start looking at stuff like that. If you were stuck in an elevator, what two people would you like to bring in with you? Could be anyone. 
Hamasur. <laughs> That's a smart way yeah. of thinking, yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe my husband. Oh, isn't that nice. Have a chat and a massage. Here I was going to say something like Snoop Dogg and just no. all these other random people, and you're yeah, taking. I bring a husband. chef, and yes. that's that they have a buffet with them. <laughs> um, do you have any pets? Yes. Okay. So, well, this question is okay then. What would your pet say about you if I asked them in an interview? <laughs> so I have three dogs. Yeah. Um, I'm the one that grooms them, so they'd probably say take the brush off her. <laughs> but I don't know. They love my cuddles. I hope they do. <laughs> They're big dogs, yeah. so they get really big. What cuddles. sort of dogs have you got? Alaska Malamutes. Oh, they are yes. big dogs. Yeah, very teddy bear. Yeah, very cute. Very nice. All right, well, we might wrap it up there. Um, firstly, thank you very much for joining me. Um, that went brilliantly. So. Um, for anyone who wants more information, make sure you hit me up on Instagram or Facebook. But yeah, from Off The Blocks, thank you very much, Jessica Shipper, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Again, a massive thank you goes out to Jess for agreeing to that interview. As a new podcast, only just starting, I honestly didn't know what kind of reaction I'd get when I reached out and asked people to come on the show. But uh, she was so generous with her time and uh, very appreciative that a former swimmer of her ilk would agree to come on and uh, and get behind the show. So thank you very much to Jess. I will endeavor to get Jess on again for a part two, just because I think there's still so much to cover about her career and her life uh, and just get her general views on current swimming stories, etc. So uh, looking forward to that. That's it for Ep 1, our very first episode. I just want to thank a few people before we uh, say goodbye. Thank you very much to my best mate, Jesse, for helping spawn this idea for the show. You're a legend, mate. Thank you to all the people who encouraged me to actually go through with this and not let it be another idea that never really happens. Uh, thank you very much to my gorgeous wife for always encouraging me to do things that I'm passionate about. I love you. And a massive thank you to George, who, uh, without his help putting all of this audio stuff together, the audio equipment you are actually listening to me through now was from George, uh, given to me. So thank you very much, mate. None of this would have happened without you. But most importantly, I want to thank everyone who took the time out of their day to have a listen to the podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it, and I hope you will all come back again for Ep 2, which is next week. Uh, and I have another cracker of a show for you there. We have a great interview with a New South Wales swimming rising star, Mr. Ryan Roach. Can't wait for you to hear that interview and that chat we had with him. Uh, definitely we talk com games. We have a look at the results from the pool down there on the Gold Coast, as well as a few other surprises for the show. So, look, that's all from us now from the team here at Off The Blocks. Until next week, it's bye for now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundreds in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Noten's hand. But the sinister of all eyes is the great Madame Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats, Phelps in the black hats, and Phelps is